1: become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult.
0: Welcome to Entertainment Business
1: Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
0: All right. Hi and welcome, everybody. I'm Kaya Alexander. I am your host of the Hollywood Wolfpack Pack podcast here today with our very special guest kara jones let me tell you about her she is a black queer feminist screenwriter actor and filmmaker kara graduated from northwestern with a bachelor's in theater and gender studies she's written on television shows such as woke on hulu and queens on abc and is currently developing several of her own original tv projects for sony Lionsgate, Freeform, and more. She's the co-created and star of the Chicago-produced indie web series, The Right Swipe on OTV. She's won awards from the Chicago International Film Festival, Nashville Film Festival, ScreenCraft, and more. As an actor, she's appeared on The Chi on Showtime, Empire on Fox, and Chicago Justice on NBC. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. You're such a powerhouse. I first met you on Twitter, formerly known as X, as we all I'll say this now. And you anchor such powerful space there. And I, I just want to acknowledge you and say I've, I've learned from you. I've admired you. Uh, it's a joy to have you as a guest on the show. Uh, and thank you so much for being here. Oh,
1: thank you. I feel the same about you. I'm so glad I get to like, see you face to face.
0: Thank you. Hey, so I would love to hear how, how did you fall in love with this path of television and film and all things performing and theater as a multi-hyphenate? Um, so basically because my mom wanted me out
1: of her house, that is <laughs> a story, a story. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't start doing any perform it. Well, I, I did play piano for a long time, but I didn't start doing any type of um, acting or um, writing until I was in high school. And my mom was like, after my freshman year, and I would just come home and annoy her and watch the Tyra Banks show. She was like, I need you to do some kind of extracurricular. I do not care what it is. You need to keep <laughs> out of my house. And so um, one of my friends was auditioning for the school play. and was like, just, just come with me. And I said, okay, so I went with her, and uh, I ended up uh, getting the lead role in the play. <laughs> I'd never acted before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was it was kind of wild, and then I just fell in love with it from there, but for the most part, it just was like um, something fun. I didn't really think of it as a career path until... I think like right before I was starting to apply for colleges, I had a theater teacher that was like, you're actually really good at this and you should consider doing this professionally. So I was like, okay. Um, so writing had not really, early screenwriting had not entered the picture yet. I uh, went to Northwestern for theater and I was one of four black students in my class of a hundred oh, at Northwestern. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty low. I, was, I always joke that there were more black people in my house than there were in my graduating class, cause there were, I had five <laughs> um, And so I was like, not used to this coming from a pretty diverse um, neighborhood and my high school was 50% black. And I was like, what is this? And-
0: Where were you from originally?
1: I'm from Maryland, so. Okay. Yeah, Maryland is is very diverse. Um, and so I went, so I was going to all my classes, and this was before uh, I'm dating myself, but this was kind of before this renaissance of uh, more diverse television came out. So this yes. was pre Scandal, pre Insecure, pre Atlanta, all of those shows, and I right. was I kind not of really I don't love the way that characters of marginalized identities, particularly Black characters are being written in theater and television and film. And as an actor, I don't feel like I'm getting very much agency in that. I'm just getting plopped in at the end of the most of the story telling creation process and I can do my best to try to make choices as an actor to try to make this character more authentic but at the end of the day I have to do what the director tells me to do Mm -hmm. and so I kind of thought okay well if I want to be at the genesis of how these characters are being created then I need to write and so I started I like I kind of figured out that I was more interested in filmmaking and screenwriting too late in college. I found out, I figured that out like senior year, so I couldn't change my major or anything. I tried to take as many film classes as I could, but I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to get my foot in the door as far as this end of the industry goes. Uh, and I kind of gave up for a little bit. I, you know, took some writing classes after I graduated. I stayed in Chicago after I graduated. Um I took a couple of writing classes at Second City but I mostly was concentrating on acting for a while. And what brought me back to writing was um Chicago has like a really amazing independent film scene out there and around the time I graduated this is when, you know, web series were like the hot thing. Oh yeah. And um there was a lot of web series being produced in Chicago particularly by artists of marginalized identities, lots of women lots of queer folks lots of people of color and so I was auditioning for these shows and getting to set and you know normally I go to set and I just see a sea of white men in the crew just um no matter what the show is about it's gonna be a bunch of white men in the crew and then I got to (laughs) these sets and I was like oh wow these people these people look like me and my friends and they're you know more representative of, of the world and I was like well if they can do this. If they can take a, a script all the way through production and um, maybe I should do, maybe I can try too. So I did uh, make a web series, The Right Swipe, with a friend of mine from college. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Independent filmmaking is not for the faint of heart. I keep doing it anyway, but uh, it hurts. It, it's painful. Um, but <laughs> I was like, okay, I... I really like this, you know, as As much as I hate begging people for money, um, and as much as I don't sleep, I love what I'm doing right now. And I think that I should pursue it seriously. So the Rice Web came out in 2019. And then in 2020, I wrote my first like full pilot. Um,
0: and then right in- up against the pandemic.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. actually gave me some time to write, because I uh, I was working in higher education at the time, and they sent all of the students home when the lockdown started, so I was working remotely. Excuse me. So that gave me more time to write, um, and I so I wrote my first pilot called Good Lives Only. It was a half-hour pilot. Um, I started submitting it to festivals. At that same time, festivals and and competitions and everything. So that's when I won the Nashville uh, Film Festival Best uh, Half Hour Pilot. I uh, also had written a feature. So that won some things at um, Chicago International Film Festival and Screencraft. And then in 2021, um, that first pilot that I wrote still, and up until last year was the only pilot that I wrote um, that got me staffed on my first television
0: show. So that got me staffed on. It's incredible. So your focus, is it comedy? Yes,
1: I will do drama as well. Like the second show I wrote on Queens was an hour-long drama. It was, it, you know, it was like a soapy fun drama, but they gave me the most dramatic episode. They gave me like the issue. <laughs> so um, yes, I will also write drama. I'm I'm happy to explore different genres, um, as long as the characters are folks who I um I like to bring folks from the margins to the front. So if it's about a bunch of straight white men, I'm not interested, but yeah. <laughs> I can work Either. with anybody else. Um, but yeah, comedy is my main focus, my bread and butter. Yeah.
0: Did your um, representation come out of the contests and festivals that you were entering or did it come another way?
1: I have a very, very unique story about how my representation and my staffing happened. Um, technically, yes, it did come out of the competition. <laughs> um both the staffing and the representation i so i was submitting to all of these uh contests and festivals and they they uh market themselves as like oh if you win or you place highly you're gonna get uh it's just gonna be a bunch of reps just banging down your door to sign you and uh, like have all the success stories and i was winning I'm placing highly. And I was like, "Mm, where are all the reps? Like nothing, Um, nothing, but you know, not a whole lot of movement. And so I was like, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more because it's free. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) I signed up for cover fly pitch week. Which, if folks are not familiar, uh, Coverfly is a platform that has lots of resources for screenwriters, but it's one of the platforms where you can submit to different contests.
0: And I use it as a producer as well, from that side.
1: Yeah, Coverfly is amazing. Um, I will sing Coverfly's praises all day long, Um, and it's free. You don't have to pay to host your script. You don't pay to submit to different competitions, but like just having a Coverfly profile is free so for pitch week this is free they were like you just have to have a cover fly profile just you know submit and so i submitted and uh, i got selected and uh, they select like or, you know around 125 folks who um they think or have strong enough uh, profiles to be able to attract interest from execs or who have um, different who meet the different mandates that the execs that they're working with are looking for. So they selected me and um, they put you it feels like speed dating. Honestly, they uh, get they set you up with kind of like 20 minute ish meetings with different um, execs and reps who are interested in meeting you. And so one of the meetings that I had was with uh, an exec at a company called Cloud9 Productions. Her name is Anna. And Anna and I really hit it off. And she was like, I need to talk to you for longer than 20 minutes. So we exchange, we like extended our meeting. And she starts telling, and I'm living in Chicago at the time. This is important. I'm living in Chicago. I have not um really been able to immerse myself in the you know Hollywood culture because I'm out here and I'm just kind of trying to hustle remotely. So I don't really um, know that much about the logistics of the industry. And so she was like, just giving me kind of the lowdown on what it's like. And she started talking about, this is what it's like trying to find writers of a particular identity when you're trying to staff a room and how hard it can be. And so she just used woke as an example. She was like, yeah, like woke is having a really hard time staffing the last position in their room because they're really looking for a queer black woman and they're not finding one whose voice matches the show. I'm so green I don't think that I can be like what about me I'm like okay well clearly they're hitting up seasoned television writers and they're rejecting them so like they don't want me so I was just like good luck with that and um she was smarter than me so she emailed me (laughs) an hour after the meeting and was like hey actually (laughs) is it okay if I kick your script up to the showrunner and I said okay and so she, they emailed me the next day and she said, OK, they really like your script and they need to meet with you. And it has to be tomorrow, which was Thursday, because the room is starting on Monday. And I was like, oh, So um, I had to quickly prep for that meeting, rewatch the whole first season. And one night I uh, had my meeting the next day. I got a call 30, uh, an hour after my meeting and they said, hey, you need to get an entertainment lawyer because so they're about to send you your contract. So it was very fast and a very like um it that's, was incredible. Such a, that's an incredible story yeah it was such a cinderella story coverfly didn't know what to do because they tell you oh if you have a good meeting and by good meeting they usually they they define it as like oh you exchanged information with the exec or you're planning on having a follow-up they they want you to email them so they can kind of keep track of the success of the program so i email them and i'm like ah. Oh, Stuff on a TV show? And they're like, (laughs) what? (laughs) They were like, oh, do you have reps? And I said, no. And so they started sending my sample out to their connections. And there was another program that I did called Roadmap Writers, and they got one of the stories. So they also sent my script out to their connections. And then I also tweeted about it. And that kind of went viral. So all those things combined, I ended up with 20 offers from agents and managers after that. Oh
0: my God, that is a Cinderella story. I love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I will say, yes, it
1: was technically a competition or sort of a competition. I don't even know if I really define Pitch Week as a competition. I guess you do have to submit to get in, but it's more of like a development like networking program so
0: yeah, i'd say that's a best case scenario coming out of uh out of pitch week that's pretty incredible and i used to work for gary shandling and he's the only other one i know who had that experience where he was already staffed on two shows when uh he was like well i guess i need an agent you know yeah yeah <laughs> they were they didn't actually even believe that he was already working it took a couple phone calls before they were like holy shit wait you already have these jobs you're not asking us to get these jobs you know oh. <laughs> Yeah. And then he was at meetings all over town. That's so, that's so awesome. Okay. So as a, as an intersectional black woman in these rooms, like what do you love to write about? What point of view do you bring that it has been most meaningful for you to share?
1: Ooh. um, uh, So in addition to having the theater background, I also have the gender studies background. So I love uh, being able to write about anything gender and sexuality related. Um, My previous job, and technically my job right now because we just got out of the strike. So I had to get a a day job. So I went back to my old job. Um, I was working with um, students who have been impacted by sexual violence and domestic violence. So I was doing advocacy. Uh, around that, and so that also informs a lot of my writing. So uh, on on Woke, um, like I said, though know, they were looking for a queer black woman, there was a queer black woman character. So hoping to have someone with some lived experience to help yes. that. So I did really love writing um, on that show, and the, you know I was very fortunate because there's sometimes writers of marginalized identity get staffed because of their identities, and they're only allowed to pitch on that one character um I I never felt like that in either of my rooms um but just that you know woke is a social justice uh it's literally called woke and so it's about yeah. social justice. <laughs> and so I have a social justice background and uh it was just really really fun to be able to pitch on all of those characters and all those situations and there was a character that was you know polyamorous and that was fun to be able to craft and then on Queens, I actually the issue episode I got. Um, so Queens is about uh, for folks who didn't see the show, uh, and a hip hop girl group from the '90s who have uh, you know a big breakout hit, and then they immediately you know have this really tumultuous breakup, and then you know 20 years later they uh, get an opportunity to to reunite. And so um, my episode was kind of tackling sexual violence in the music industry particularly against black women so they gave me the heaviest episode um but I was very fortunate that I could bring my uh extensive experience particularly working with black survivors to the screen um and we made a really special episode of television so I I appreciate I got to see that Oh, yes. You, so they took it off of Hulu, but you can still get it video on demand. So
0: yeah. oh, wait, they took it off Hulu, but so you can watch a video on demand on like Apple or Amazon. Yes, <laughs> It's yep. happening with a few shows. It's just nuts, but I'm glad that it's still available yes me too because there's a lot
1: of other shows that were solely available on just that streaming platform and now they're just gone forever I I hate this trend (laughs) right Mm -hmm. now I'm like at the very least make it available for video on demand to people who love it can purchase it um keep it forever Mm -hmm. so yeah um so it's I I love that my show very open to letting me bring like all of the experiences that I've had outside of the entertainment industry into these characters. And I honestly do think, I tell, uh, when students ask me or uh, people who are interested in screenwriting ask me like, do you have to have a film degree? I'm like, absolutely not. Honestly, I've kind of noticed the trend of my friends who accelerated the quickest up the ladder into a writer's room. Were the ones who had some kind of, uh, either they studied something unique or they had a different career before they transitioned into screenwriting, and they usually got staffed because of that. Like sure. I have a friend who was a pharmacist she got staffed on a medical show. You know, I have a friend who, um, I, I know somebody who was an athlete and got staffed on a, you know, basketball show. So those kinds of things will actually help your career.
0: Yeah, bringing expertise from another area, Hollywood loves that. They want the authenticity.
1: Kroger Fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: Well, tell me about what you're working on and writing now, because in your bio it said you've been developing a few different things, and I, I'm so curious what your original uh, work is about. Yes, um, <laughs> gender and sexuality, a lot of it. <laughs>
1: um, so the first, the first pilot that I wrote, the one that got me staffed and repped, um, called "Good Vibes Only," is about the orgasm gap. Uh, because in addition to doing the advocacy work, I was also doing, um, comprehensive sex education at Northwestern. and I, and I was doing that even as a student at Northwestern, I swear I went to undergrad as well. So I was doing peer education and just throughout my time there, I really noticed this very interesting trend. Cause you know, Northwestern is one of the most prestigious universities in the world. There's these like really? geniuses who go there. And these people who can, you know, do quantum physics and started their first business at 12 years old or whatever, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> don't know how to use a condom or like, don't know what a cervix is. And I'm like, oh, oh like, it's like, you can be so, so, so intelligent and then like, know nothing about sex. And it doesn't stop. Like there's lots of adults who don't understand their own bodies and their own sexualities because they never got the opportunity to learn. Um, and so the show is set at a prestigious university in their PhD program, and the um, the main character doesn't know anything about sex, but gets assigned to work at, oh uh, she gets assigned to do research on the orgasm gap for a class, and then you find out that she's never had an orgasm before, so...
0: Oh, what a, what a great subject to delve into. It sounds like you got a lot of connection from those in the industry who just really love this original take. It's something that doesn't get, I haven't, I've never seen that on screen before. Yeah. Yeah. I have not either. I mean, the closest thing I've seen is sex education. It's very different
1: than sex education, but I'm like, those are still like kids, you know, I feel like any there's not a lot of shows that tackle learning about your sexuality as an adult, at least not. And like, maybe there's like one or two episodes that touch on it, particularly yeah. from the black perspective. I really don't see those conversations happening on um, black television shows. So was, uh, pumped to be able to do that and yeah like I got a lot of feedback like I've never read anything like this before so we
0: we don't even really have great bi or lesbian representation I'm bi and queer and a couple of my friends and I are always talking about like how bad the sex scenes are how terrible and just you know awful there's, If you haven't seen it, there's this really old but special series that came out of England called Fingersmith, which yes. is one of the only series I've ever seen wherein lesbian sex was beautifully shot and handled and felt really authentic. And the storyline is amazing. Um, it's based on a novel and it was just like, oh, they, they did it, they, they actually achieved the intimacy that is so special and beautiful. Um, and I feel like it's just super, super rare. What do you, what, do you feel that way too? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just talking, you know,
1: before, before the strike, um, one of the shows that I have in development, I um th- is very, very queer. They might have told me it was too queer actually, but
0: um I'm your uh, audience. I'm your audience, make it for yeah. me. Yes.
1: Um <laughs> but one of the characters who uh was is queer was as a pageant girl. And so she's like very, very femme. And I was so excited to write that character because I remember, and it took me a while to figure out that I was queer and it was partially because there's so little representation of lesbian and bisexual folks, especially bisexual folks. Uh, yeah. Even in, on like the L word, the bisexual folks were like, ew. like
0: The don't erasure, like, erasure is everywhere. It's real.
1: And then also on the L word, I was like, none of these women are particularly feminine like they're all kind yeah. of chapstick lesbians yeah, as you yeah. put it and i was like well i don't i don't see myself that way and so i sure. guess i'm not queer <laughs> so it took a while for me to be yeah. like oh no no you can still like makeup and pink and be queer i don't know why that i never get to see that so i was like okay this pageant girl she's gonna be she's gonna be queer And then, of course, you know, I got the note like, hey, you need more straight characters. How about you make the pageant girl straight? And I was like, oh, come on. Oh, my God. I was like, if you really want me to write more straight characters, I'll write another one. But she's not going to be straight like that. That's the line for me. So, um, yeah, I do agree that the representation is really, really poor.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I was, I also kind of came out late or really had the realizations late of like, where do I fit in? Like, I always knew I was bi, but at the same time was like, where, where is exactly that I fit in? I'm not totally sure. Um, but it was actually seeing Eddie Izzard's stand up and her um, her bit that she does where she's talking about I have girl mode and I have boy mode. And I was like, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> Like that neat, like oh my God. And I didn't understand any of that until I really saw that and gave myself like permission to be like, oh, I'm I'm in girl mode today, I'm in boy mode today. Um okay. <laughs> I'm an it's off-road, really- I'm an off-road, you know. <laughs>
1: and it's like, you know, we representation matters and you know, such a cliche at this point, but it it does because it does, especially around really does. conversations that our parents aren't having with us and our teachers aren't having with us we're learning from the media and if we're not seeing it in the media, then we think that it doesn't exist or that it's wrong. Um, And so I do, I I have to take my job as a storyteller very seriously in that way. Like I I don't take anything seriously because I'm a comedy writer, but it's like, I know that what I am making is going to have a huge impact, positive or negative on my audiences. And so um, even when writing, you know, dick jokes or whatever (laughs) try to be mindful of that
0: oh I love that so where are you going now because you that we you are actually my first interview after the strike has ended so congratulations (laughs) to the WGA to you Kara what does this mean for you now where are we standing with you a couple days Um, after yeah
1: yeah just a couple days after first of all abrupt very abrupt like I um so for folks who didn't uh follow along super closely so we got the deal this last Sunday um and then everybody was informing me because this is my first time striking I was a child during the last strike so I was not in the WGA um but I um they were like okay so we get like 10 days to vote to ratify the contract. So I'm like, all right, I got 10 days to kind of reacclimate, you know, reorganize the things that I was working on before the strike and before I have to like jump back in, but no, they were like, was it on Monday? I think they were like, Oh, by the way, you can start working again at midnight because we have lifted the restriction. And I'm like, y'all painting this as a good thing. And it is in a lot of ways, I mean, people need money, but also I uh, were, everybody had, I know had whiplash. Like uh, a lot of folks that I know who were in rooms before were like, I got to start my room tomorrow. Or like, I got to start my room on Monday. I wasn't expecting that.
0: Hmm.
1: So I don't have to go back to a room, but um, I have to go back to all my development. So, and then I was getting paid. I had the show on free form. I was getting paid for. So I'm happy to be going back to that um and then we'll see what happens as far as the staffing front goes but i do feel fortunate that i have a paying job um and lots of things in the pipeline so yeah the development is the big thing at the moment
0: what where what direction do you see yourself heading and that would be most inspiring to you ooh I, I, mean, I would
1: love to see any of the shows that I'm working on get greenlit. Um, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that maybe the Freeform show could because Freeform canceled like everything. I was like, y'all got like three shows left. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, you need new shows, so maybe that bodes well. But um, I um, I do feel as though that I'm a creator uh I do I love being in a writer's room I love being staffed on other people's shows I would love to continue to staff honestly it's been harder for me to get staff that it had been to sell (laughs) show that it's the climate of the industry part of why we're on strike right now um but also I think because I have a very unique voice that lends itself more to creating and sometimes scare showrunners into thinking that I won't be able to match their voice oh we're all all dying to read you now (laughs) <laughs> you can. i <let> me have to <laughs> send you my script. Um, but um, uh, so I do think I'm headed. I'm headed toward the creator direction. But I, I, I the the writer's room is such a she's this complex um, uh, ecosystem, and being a showrunner is seems like the hardest job on the face of the earth. And I would love to be able to get some more experience. Staffing on other shows before I have to jump into the showrunner role, because that's a scary thing. Um, You know, it's amazing now that um, up and coming writers or lower level writers can sell a show without having to move all the way up to a co-executive producer in the writer's room. But it is also like, well, I also didn't get the experience that I need to be able to do this successfully. And so I've seen a lot of shows crash and burn because they gave somebody that role without really preparing them. So I I want to be as prepared as possible so that um I show doesn't uh get canceled after one season.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I hear you. It's really smart to gain that that wisdom and that experience. And you're on a rocket ship path. It sounds like uh for that for yourself. There's been ups and th- yes it, for sure. There's definitely been ups and
1: downs. Like just d- don't don't uh think that it's only been a fairy tale. Like this whole la- that last year whole all of 2022. Right after I moved to. Los Angeles. I was unemployed the full year. It was just a really, really hard year for anybody to get staff, especially at
0: such a hard city to live in anyway. Much less being unemployed. It's so stressful and expensive, and I mean, it's it's a city with teeth now. Uh, Yeah, it
1: was it was rough. And luckily, I saved a ton of money living in Chicago. I wrote both my shows remotely from Chicago, and then made the decision loop after I felt like I had enough money to sustain myself in the event that this unemployment period happened, and it sure did. Um and just all of my friends that were my level, so um story editor slash executive story editor, they just weren't no no rooms or staffing at that level. Um, so what w- had nothing to do with our talent or anything like that. It just was like, it's part of why we're on strike. Like the, all the mini rooms were squeezing, um, lower levels and mid levels out and they were just staffing, you know, executive co-executive producer folks. So it's still, it, you know, it's been an up and down. And then literally as soon as I sold this freeform show and started getting paid, we went on strike. So it's, it's not been, not, it's, it's, it's been a little rough. It's been a little rocky, so I'm going to hope that it's a little bit smoother sailing now that we have a better deal. (laughs) Oh,
0: We want all good things for you going forward. This is it's so great. I um, have loved meeting you. I'm curious what tips you might have for those listeners who are writers who want to break into the industry, who've been working hard on their own portfolios and samples and ultimately would love to be staffed or have the writer's room experience. Um, What could you what knowledge wisdom could you pass down to them? Ooh, I have so much.
1: Um, But the first thing that comes to mind is, um, you know, talking about portfolios. I have a lot of writers ask me how many samples that they need to have before they can start uh, querying reps or um, start being considered for staffing. And honestly, the answer is one good one. Mm -hmm. You should maybe have, you know, two, um, but there's no... There's no minimum. Like, uh, there are usually when a rep wants to read you or a showrunner wants to read you for a room, they're only going to read one sample. Mm -hmm. So, even if you have multiple other scripts, like you really, really have to hone one or two samples to be as close to perfect as you can get them. So, focus on quality over quantity when you're making your portfolio. Um, And, like I said, you know, I, I just got, I just had that one, I had the one pilot. I had a feature as well, but I had the one pilot. And all the reps that wanted to sign me, they had only read the pilot and they were immediately oh. able to sign you. And I was like, okay, I also have this other feature. And they're like, that's cool too. But like, we would have just signed you off the one pilot. <laughs> Um, So, you know, um, and I've heard that from most of the writers that I know are like almost all the staffing that I've gotten has been from, this, from one or two samples. So um, just focus on rewriting that and making it as sharp as possible. Um, I would say people have a lot of different opinions on contests, but, and I also have mixed feelings about them. I would say you can't rely solely on the contest. Sometimes I look at people's cover for my profiles and they're like 42 accolades. i like, submitted to like hundreds of of contests and uh, their career isn't moving. So you can't just sit there and expect, like I did, expect the uh, reps and execs to just block to you with uh, a lot of competition placements and wins. You have to do the legwork. And you have to be the one contacting the folks that you want to work with and being like, hey, I have this contest win. Like, I think it just does, it helps vet you a little bit. It's like, oh, somebody else read you and thought you were good then I'll be more likely to read you because there's a lot of most people got real bad scripts and Mm -hmm. I do not envy the people who have to read all of those scripts and (laughs) and the the diamond in the the pile of doo-doo so so it helps (laughs) to have um some competition placements to show okay there's a, a a few people who have already like given me the thumbs up um and then Building your community is so important. I don't love the word networking because it sounds very quid pro quo to me. It sounds very yeah. like, you know, I, I, you're, you're trying to build a relationship with someone just so they can give you something. But this is such a hard industry and it's like such a marathon and not a sprint. And you like, I think more importantly than having people who can get you work, you need people who can... Provide you support and guidance. Um, uh, and then the like silver, the additional like chair on top of the pie of that is that, you know, if if you have a lot of people who love you and are rooting for you, they're going to, you know, put your name in rooms where opportunities are. Um, the WGA had done a survey a while back and asked uh, members how they got their last job, and 50% yeah. of them said they got them through referral. So it was, you know, a friend or somebody they had worked with before. Who um gave their name to a showrunner? Gave their name to an exec, and that's how I got both my jobs. You know, I got I had that exec who referred me from Coverfly, and then I had I thought that my reps got me Queens, but it turned out that it was so ABC Signature was the studio on both of those um and it it was an exec at abc signature who really liked my work on woke and sent it to the showrunner queen oh my god that's so awesome yes, yes so um so find your tribe i know tribe is i'm I trying to find like a better term because it's not the most culturally appropriate find your team find, <laughs> we, call it find your, we call it finding your wolf pack in here wolf pack works um <laughs> and um and just people you want to be friends with not just people who you think can you know put your put your name up for staffing um and that's been so so essential uh for me i'm i'm so sad that elon musk is just like taking a blowtorch to the app formerly known as twitter i know it cuz that's how i found the vast majority of the people that i'm in community with including you and um i had a birthday party last year and all my friends in LA came and they were, you know, you always ask like, how do you know the birthday person? And everyone said Twitter, everyone's like Twitter, 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 Twitter. That's where I'm all my friends. So, um, I hope that there's another, uh, similar app that I know folks are starting to move toward like blue sky and everything. Um, but yeah, even if you're not in Los Angeles, you can still build those connections through social media.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also have met so many of my students and dear friends and colleagues. You know, the the feature that I'm producing on now met the writer on Twitter and, you know, stitched that deal together. Just, you know, we've connected there in that space. It's just amazing. And I really hope that it survives the, uh, the blowtorch, as you said. <laughs> it's been awful and heartbreaking. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe it will get you know, bought by someone else who might want to restore it to the original. It's so funny now that we all have to call it Twitter, formerly known yeah. as X. I just still call it Twitter because I'm like, this is this is just so silly. Yeah, I has- call it Twitter too. His mama named him Twitter. I'm gonna call him Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk for another moment here about um you and on Twitter you do such a great job of anchoring the black experience in as a writer in entertainment, what we're up against. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you see, what's hard, what's gotten easier. um,
1: I have kind of a limited, not limited, but um, a lucky perspective or lucky experience. I have never been the only Black person in a writer's room. Um, Woke was almost completely Black writer's room. Our showrunner was white and we had like one Asian woman, but everybody else was Black, um, even the assistants. And so that was my first room. And I know that that's not typical. Most of the Black writers I talked to were like, I was, especially some of the more um, seasoned ones, were like, I was the token Black person for a long time. Even on a show that was about Black characters, I was a token Black person. Um... And then Queens, we had Black showrunner slash creator. And I would say at least half of the room was Black. Um, And so I have not had to endure an environment where I did not feel appreciated or like my stories were, uh, or like the stories that I care about were being neglected. But I um, have... uh, an experience, a really bad experience with some racism and staffing. So part of the reason I was um, unemployed last year is that I did I did get a staffing interview as soon as I got to LA and the showrunner ended up being really, really racist and <laughs> refusing to give me a job because she doesn't like black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a whole investigation into like, like a, the HR found out and they had investigated. It was really bad. Um, so, you know, there, like, while I see so much progress um in terms of representation both on screen and in the writer's room, there is still those, the old guard that um is trying to honestly sabotage us. Um I've seeing I was seeing a little bit on social media while uh the strike was happening and after the strike there were some resentful older white men who were
0: i've seen you deal with such toxicity on twitter it's disgusting you have you handle it all with such grace always yes thank you thank
1: you the resentment of the the changing um industry toward more diversity um is, is making a lot of white men mad and mm-hmm. i get the brunt of it sometimes i don't mind clapping back at them usually they end up uh deleting their accounts after i drag them <laughs> but, um, um so i am seeing i was you know on the picket line seeing a lot of black and brown and queer and uh trans folks uh more than i would expect to see in hollywood however Um, you know, most of us, they just recently decided they were going to staff people like us. So if you look at the, um, if you look at the demographic makeup of writers rooms, like the WGA releases their, it's like their inclusion report every year. And the vast majority of writers of underrepresented identities are lower level uh so staff writer story editor um frequently we have to repeat levels i had to repeat staff writer my showrunner on my last show who's black and then a couple of the other black writers on that show said that they had to repeat staff writer over and over and over again so challenges are moving up the ladder <laughs> Um, you know and now that they're not like I like I said we were not seeing a lot of staffing of story editor executive story editor so we weren't getting jobs so we were really getting squeezed out of writers rooms because of these mini rooms so that's definitely a challenge and then also just like all of the all of the shows getting canceled so fast I, I don't even feel like it is the fact that the shows that are about folks of underrepresented entities are getting targeted with those cancellations absolutely
0: a game. league of their own has such a huge fan base and it was you know they were only picking it up for a partial season but at the same time huge fan base absolutely yeah. mobilized you know the planes flying over amazon and they still canceled that show and i of course it's homophobia of course yeah. it's feeling threatened by what i call new hollywood you know mm-hmm. new hollywood is inclusive and marginalized voices are huge huge core of what we want to see happen and the change on screen with these characters with these stories with these parts and i feel like the audience is this is who we're speaking to there are more people of color in the united states now than white people you know, who do we think we're making television and movies for uh, but yeah it's like you said the old guard is threatened by the new hollywood voices coming through yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I've, you know, I felt it for sure. Uh, so I, I'm hopeful and I have all of these shows in development and, yes. uh, so fingers crossed some of them go so that I can be a part of, uh, kicking the old guard into the retirement home. Finally. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, as I kind of mentioned before, I think that it, it we, uh, creators and marginalized identities are not set up for success because they just kick us into the showrunner role. Because like, you know, it is the, the our stories that they know are going to get them money. You know, it's the Abbott elementaries and the Atlantas yeah. of the world that they're looking yeah. for, but because they didn't invest in us when we were in the writers rooms as staff so that we could move up and get trained when we get put in the, in the, in a leadership role really quickly we sometimes don't do the best job that we could just because we weren't prepared. So did get the training. Yeah, we did have the training. So I'm going to like apply to the WGA showrunners um, training program. Hope that I get a spot. I qualify for it.
0: I will um, put a word in for you because I, you. I'm really good friends with Carol Kirchner, who runs it. I'd love oh, to see you get that. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
1: and I am fortunate that at least with the freeform show, my showrunner from Queens is my um, supervisor on that. And he was like, oh, I love awesome. the show with you. So uh, at least I'm covered there. But for the other stuff, I'm like, well, we're going to find out what happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie, you've been such a great guest. Thank you so much for being here with us today. People want to find you, follow you, reach you. Where do they go? Yeah, so um the app formerly known as Twitter, I
1: am um black ass feminist B-L-K-A-S-S-Feminist. I don't feel like spelling that word right now. Um, and then on Instagram, I am my name, Kira.a dot Jones. Um, I think on Blue Sky, I'm just Kira Jones. I don't know anymore. Um the handles on Blue Sky are also weird um yeah so you can just find me if you search kira jones on google you find all the things (laughs) um (laughs) and then if you want to watch well woke is somehow still on hulu they haven't pulled it off yet i think they just forgot it's there uh so you can still watch (laughs) you can watch it you can watch queen's on video on demand and um the right swipe on otv if you want to see my early work which is not that old it's only a couple years old but yeah
0: Well, it was absolute joy and pleasure to have you here on the show. And I hope to have you back uh, when you have more to share with us. Okay. Yes, please. I would love to come back anytime.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please. Like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training as well as a free special report, How to Pitch Anything in One Minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com.
0: Thank you.